to another episode of In Swine Versation, a multi-generational farm in the making with Thomas Titus. Welcome to the program, Thomas. Oh, thank you. Certainly appreciate being on here again with you guys. I had to have the opportunity last uh, last spring to sit down and be part of one of uh, one of the recordings here. So it's always nice to be back on with you, Jim. Yeah, I saw you at the World Pork Expo and thought uh, there's a lot to talk about here. So you're a hog farmer in Illinois, and due to Prop 12 and a combination of labor and economic challenges, you're liquidating and repurposing your business model. Uh, can you talk about that, Thomas? Yeah, certainly. And so, I mean, we're... We are a small, I mean, 600 South Farrow to finish farm. And so, I mean, we made the the tough decision uh, a number of months ago that uh, with some of the things that were coming down the pipeline from Proposition 12, transitions we might potentially need to make there, building costs, remodeling costs, and labor challenges. I mean, it just seemed like those continue to surmount. Um, and so we made the decision to liquidate the South side of what we do. Um, still planning to continue to raise some pigs from wean to finish and uh, still continue to utilize and maximize the barns and spaces that we have available. Because, I mean, I, I farm with my wife's family and they're farm with my wife's family. And uh, I mean, we're a multi-generational family farm and where we've got uh, a number of young kids that are running around and certainly enjoy uh, the farm life. And so beyond pigs on our farm, we also raise some corn and some soybeans um, as well as part of our farm. So the model before was a farrow to finish? Yep, we were 600 south farrow to finish. And so we we had uh, multiple sites, uh, uh, an off-sites breed to wean facility. And then we also had our nursery to nursery to finish at another location. So we decided to make that transition and we'll, we'll repurpose some of those barns to be able to continue to utilize them in different ways. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, we we have some, some of those facilities that... Uh, needed some extensive remodeling costs to, to get up to the current trend. And I mean, you have to think about the, the reinvestment into those buildings and does it make sense or not uh, from a financial standpoint. And so some of the buildings we may discontinue use, but I mean, we certainly plan to continue to be part of the pork industry, which we have been a part of for decades and are very passionate about. So there's a number of factors that uh, made you pivot. What was the final straw? I mean, the biggest challenge, I mean, it, it, here is is labor, uh, sourcing local labor and even uh, utilizing some of the the foreign foreign options. I mean, it, it's just a challenge to to find that level of capacity and that level of quality that we truly need needed for our farm. And so we decided to, that was kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back in a sense. And I mean, you, you begin to look at uh, other economic indicators and challenges that just kind of uh, added to the the support of the decision and making sure that that was the right right thing to do for us. And so, I mean, that was the, the decision that uh, we made at the end of the day. I mean, it made, but uh, that's what we felt was best for for the families involved with us. So, as we talked about at the top of the show, I saw you at the 2023 World Pork Expo. I I could tell. Tell the face, but I didn't know how tall you were. So you're really towering. You're on <laughs> how, how was the show for you, Thomas? Uh, Illinois Pork or World Pork Expo, excuse me, was great. Um, the sentiments were good, even though the economic uh, challenges at that point in time during World Pork Expo were were mounting and very concerning. I mean, since then, we've had about a $30 rally from those lows. 
Um, and sentiments in MPIC were relatively positive as well. I mean, outlook is still very concerning, however, for you begin to look at supply, price structure, input costs. I mean, we need to have a really good corn crop before uh, input costs uh, get uh, get a little bit more moderated. And so, well, I mean, some of the things I saw out at World Pork Expo, I mean, there was a lot of new technology out there utilizing various levels of artificial intelligence, Proposition 12 compliant uh, equipment and things like that. But probably what I thought was the most interesting was the uh, the pig counter uh, that they utilized as they're going, pigs are going through shoot. They have some technology that they're able to accurately count those animals and count pigs that pass back and things like that. And so once things like that become mainstream, um, that'll really improve. I mean, counts that are going into barns, counts that are potentially coming out of barns and counts at uh, packing facilities as well. And so I thought that was, thought that was pretty interesting. Can some of the technology possibly help with labor, do you think, or is it two different things? No, there, there's certainly some technology that can help with labor. At the end of the day, I mean, you still have to have that hands-on approach with the, the care for the animals. But there there are some of those more mundane tasks that uh, there is techno technology that's advancing that might be able to be utilized to, to complement the workforce and eliminate some of the needs for some of those uh, those those daily tasks that are very, very monotonous. And so there's some opportunities there. Uh, but at the same time, at the end of the day, I mean, to properly care for those animals, you've got to have that personal human touch to make sure that those animals' needs are met on a daily basis. So you just got back from the MPIC in Wisconsin. I know the family, you told me your family enjoyed the water park. You were busy working. Now, talk to me about sustainability in our business and the industry. Did you learn some of that at the MPIC? Uh, certainly. I mean, that was one of the key topics uh, of, of the conference. And I mean, you can sometimes kind of look at sustainability in multiple ways. And uh, from a sustainability standpoint, it can be uh, from a, a, a carbon standpoint or how your farm operates or at the same time being able to sustain your farm to the next generation. I mean, those those multiple sentiments were shared at MPIC. And so, I mean, beginning to look at input costs and uh cost per sow and capital and things like that. I mean, there was a number of good presentations and breakout sessions that covered the gamut of, of things from carbon credits to pop, Prop 12 compliance to the financial status of the industry. And so, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can look at sustain sustainability within our industry. And I think uh, this year's MPIC really kind of covered the gamut of it. Uh, the organizers did an outstanding job of making sure all sides were represented and had an opportunity to to have those discussions and uh, conversations. And what makes that event most unique? Well, I personally feel what makes that that event most unique. I mean, it's in a, and it's in a great location. It kind of combines the family element with it, but at the same time, I mean, it's it's really focused upon uh, the progression of the industry. And so, I mean, you you have the opportunity to be exposed to a number of industry representatives, but at the same time, the focal point is on sustainability of our industry as a, I transitioned uh, a portion of what I do or what my daily basis, daily routine is, is to uh, working with Partners for Production Agriculture and Ever Ag Company. Um, and so, I mean, we were represented well there. I mean, but our, at the end of the day, uh, from a sustainability standpoint, I mean, without maintaining these relationships and continuing to ensure that the viability of our industry, um, I mean, ag industry or swine, the swine industry side of things won't have a job either. And so it's it's a crucial time uh, to be able to have those conversations with producers, sit, 
learn more about our industry, learn more about the changes that are going on. And so I mean, MPIC is just a great, great event that's uh, hosted by that by that organization group. So your roots are deeply planted in 4-H and FFA. So can you talk about building character in the show barn? Oh, certainly. So, I mean, I, I grew up uh, raising and exhibiting uh, pigs in, I mean, here in Illinois. And so, I mean, that's one thing that my wife, Brianna, and I were extremely passionate about to be able to share with our daughters, Reagan and Lake. And uh, my nephews are also involved within uh, the animals that we exhibit as well, because we kind of carry on a carry on a tradition of RBC Chesters and uh, uh, really, really enjoy what what the attributes our children gain from, from raising exhibition livestock. And so, I mean, the, it's an opportunity that not too many kids, especially even in a rural community that uh, get that opportunity or that experience to uh, raise animals, care for animals, and I mean, work with them to get them prepared for show. And so, I mean, it really builds some, some very important core character values that uh, we feel our kids can't, uh, can't attain anywhere else than in the barn. So even as we do kind of uh, transition some of the things that we do here on our farm, I mean, are we, we still have 100% intent on our kids participating in those activities. And uh, when, I mean, once you get uh, pork production in your blood, it's really hard to kind of get it out. So we'll certainly continue that with the girls going forward. What's an example of a core characteristic value that you think is important through that? I mean, one of the, I mean, responsibility and accountability. I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest things that, that a, a young person can really take away from it. And then, I mean, one of the number one fears of most people in the, on the globe is public speaking. And so uh, by participating in, in youth exhibition of livestock, I mean, there, there's times where it forces you to communicate with others and have uncomfortable conversations, have a conversation with your veterinarian, talking about how to best care for your animal or, or working with your peers um, and so, I mean, some of those those core character values of responsibility, accountability, and just the ability to communicators are things that I feel that are that are really developed well within the barn. In 2019, you were nominated for America's Pig Farmer of the Year. Can you tell talk to me about the process, what you learned, and what it meant to you? And so I was I was nominated as a, a candidate for the Pig Farmer of the Year a few years ago, uh, which is getting further and further uh, ago than what it seems like. But uh, it was a great opportunity. Uh, was able to to meet some of the the best pork producers from within the United States that uh, were vying for that same award. And so I mean, it, it was hosted by the National Pork Board that uh, that put it on. And so I mean have been very involved with that organization over the last decade. And so I mean felt. Felt very honored to, to be able to represent Illinois and participate in that program. Unfortunately, I wasn't selected as uh, America's Pig Farmer of the Year, but being one of the four finalists is certainly something to be be really honored by. And so, I mean, the process, I mean, we went through some uh, application interview process and uh, um, really what it came down to is, I mean, we had some panel discussions and some conversations and some training um that fall in uh in chicago and so it was it was a great experience i mean it was another way to build relationships and build uh build networks that will continue to be valuable for the rest of my life do you have an example in the swine business where adversity or being humbled has then correlated to success um yeah i most certainly do i mean I, i'm sure that uh i'm not the only one that has a 2020 humbling story where and seeing the the wheels fell off the proverbial wagon um, there in March and April last year, and you, you really had to pivot and become resourceful. And so 
given our our experience and our relationships that we've built within the the exhibition or the show side of what we've done over the last uh, 10 to 20 years we we've got a number we had a number of relationships that we're able to rely upon uh throughout the country and so i mean our size is a little bit uh different than some and so being able to move some smaller groups of feeder pigs or market hogs did make an impact for us and we just knew that we needed to make a hole somewhere in that spring of 2020 and so we sent pigs to 14 different states and uh, a lot of that was through our relationships of showing livestock i mean with people that we worked with and there was demand and geographies that uh, generally don't have a significant amount of pork available i mean you went to the grocery stores and the shelves were empty and so i mean we were able to to market animals to 14 different states and it also developed a, a little bit different business opportunity for us as well from a, a meat standpoint and so uh, we started selling uh, some branded meat that we have uh, and also, I mean, just whole hogs through local processors. And so that was uh, a different business model that we hadn't really explored significantly prior to that, but we continue today. And so that was uh, a challenging time. There was a lot of adversity that we faced, but in hindsight, uh, it, it wasn't nearly as bad as what it seemed like at the time. And so we were, we were certainly humbled in the beginning and we were very fortunate for the from the community support and support from people across the country that we were able to move some of those animals too. So what about some hot topics in the swine industry? I know you've got, got a few things on your mind, Thomas. I mean, you, you go into any conference, I mean, World Pork Expo, MPIC, Illinois Pork Expo, I mean, any of those conferences or even your, your state association's board meetings. I mean, one of the hot topics of conversation uh, is always labor and challenges around that. And so, I mean, one unique thing that we're doing here within Illinois um, is a resource guide for foreign labor. Um, and it covers everything from onboarding to housing, attaining social security numbers and driver's license um, to just, I mean, some basic necessities to consider that uh, those new employees might need. And so uh, here in Illinois, we have partnered with a group uh, out of Tennessee to help with the application process uh, through Illinois Pork Producers Association for members only um, to be able to utilize this service at a discounted rate. And so um, I, I've talked with talk, spoke with this group and I mean, there, there's great opportunities here for in some of those more labor challenged markets and geographies. And I, I wouldn't be, I would be lying if I didn't say that we were we were kind of going down that same path too and having some of those conversations with uh, labor on our farm and looking into how we might be able to best utilize some of uh, these visa employees that are, are looking for opportunities here in the United States that do a great job and have an education in animal husbandry and animal care. And so, um, labor, like I said, labor challenges are, are a big issue, but I mean, Illinois Pork Producers Association is always looking for opportunities to help alleviate some of those challenges and the resource guide is just one of those tools that we have. Uh, one other, one other one. I mean, you can walk into another those exact same conferences here recently, especially in the the, the word Proposition Twelve has uh, been uh, been spoken quite frequently and quite uh, quite consistently. Um, so, uh, I mean, we did have a conversation. Jennifer Tyree, our executive director here in Illinois, and Chad Lehman, our current president, um, where they're able to share their concerns with uh, Senator Durbin um last week and so i mean they had a very progressive conversation around proposition 12 and finding ways around this challenge uh with some creative thinking that's kind of in line with what the supreme court's decision was and Durbin specifically said i mean whatever we do is scientific and rational and reasonable in terms of producers across the u.s and so i mean 
as, as you see a few more of these begin to pop up with question three, and I believe there's a similar type of bill to Proposition 12 introduced in New York here recently, um, that we, we work with our legislators and we make them aware of our challenges that we we're faced with here in Illinois, even though it's a product that's going to another state. And so it's conversations like that with Senator Durbin here in Illinois that will prove to be very valuable as we continue to progress through through this transitionary time. Out of the three topics, what keeps you awake most at night between the three? What keeps me awake most at night between the three? Well, I, I think I only listed two. I mean, they're, the Whenever we were at full capacity, it was certainly labor and who was going to show up that next day, I'd say. So um, that was that was always a big third. Because it's it's the people that make things run and and you need to have have that reliability. And it's still a challenge still, Thomas. Uh, I mean, that's that's exactly right. I mean, as as I tell people, I mean, pigs are the easy part of what you do. Um, it's sometimes the people that are the challenge. And so, I mean, finding the right people that share your passion and have that level of responsibility and accountability is extremely important on your farm. And whenever you lose a integral cog or someone calls in sick, it just makes things a little bit more challenging. And so, I mean, there's there, there's been plenty of nights that uh, went to bed where we, where I either I knew or I had a feeling that we might be short an employee the day that the next day it uh, always increases a little bit of a, a level of anxiety and angst that uh, certainly is undue. But I mean, there, there's certainly opportunities, like I said before, with utilizing uh, the Illinois Pork Producers Association resource guide and that partnership uh, with an organization to help uh, bring in some additional label. There's some opportunities that are out there that can be utilized. And so hopefully producers, I mean, within Illinois and across the U.S. are able to to work with those local organizations to and industry representatives to make sure that uh, their labor needs are being met and they're able to care for their animals appropriately. So you're part of a multi-generational farm in the making. Where was the farm? Where are you currently? And what's the vision in the future? And so, I mean, uh, currently, I mean, we're a, we were a farrow to finish farm, and now we're going to be looking more towards a, a wean to finish type of model in terms of pork production. But uh, my brother-in-law Brett, I mean, and his father Dave, I mean, they manage the the grain side of what we do, and so we raise corn and soybeans, and uh, uh, primarily. And so, I mean, we'll continue to look at opportunities where we can either grow or diversify our business, just so in the event that. Uh, our children do have a passion and want to come back and farm. Uh, we can provide them with that opportunity. And so we always have to be conscious of, of what those opportunities may look like. So we can uh, either do something a little bit different or expand our land base to create those opportunities for our children. Thomas Titus, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. I appreciate you, Jim.